Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. favorite songs. And I was hoping today, as I was preparing this sermon, that we might sing it. So, God provides. As Vance mentioned, my name is Madeline Luzinski, and I am the Director of Pastoral Care at the Florida United Methodist Children's Home. For those of you who aren't familiar with the home's ministry, we are a residential group home for children in the foster care system, as well as children who are privately placed with us. We provide wraparound services, holistic care, and my responsibility is to provide spiritual care for the children while they are with us. And believe it or not, the residential care we provide is just a small part of what we do at the children's home. So I encourage you to go to our website and our YouTube and our Facebook page to learn even more about the many ministries that we have as part of our organization. But this morning, friends, as it's been mentioned, as we've prayed, as we've acknowledged, we have been and continue to be in a season of wilderness, a wilderness season. Um, We have seasons in our lives. We have moments where we can turn back and look at and say that that was a point in time. There are other moments that we look back that are longer. We have seasons in our life, and we find ourselves currently in a wilderness season. Because much of our daily life has been stripped of us and we have found new and unfamiliar territory over the past year and a half or so. And just when we began to think that things were changing, when we started to put our big toe into the promised land, it has fallen away from us once again. And we find ourselves in now somewhat familiar territory. We know how to wear a mask. We know how to stay six feet from each other. We know how this goes. But what you might not realize is that over the past season of being in the wilderness that we have learned what it's like to be a child in foster care. In this wilderness, we've been unable to see people we love as often as we might like to. In this season of wilderness, we've had to celebrate major life milestones like birthdays and weddings and funerals and prom and graduation away from people that we care about. And those events have happened differently than we might have always imagined that they would. We've yearned for a sense of normalcy, we've feared for our safety, and we have been on the precipice of the life that we've been hoping for only to have it fall through our fingers once again. Few people find themselves dreaming of living in the wilderness. It's a place that we oftentimes imagine as barren, and if it's not barren, it's a place of isolation. It's a place apart from where we ordinarily live and dwell, away from our creature comforts and our community that we love. It's a place where there is no Wi-Fi to talk to your friends or to watch your favorite TV show to escape. It's a place where you don't have your king-size bed with all of your pillows, It's a place where you don't have that coffee maker and the special brew that you look forward to every morning. It's a place 
where we don't have school or jobs to help us feel purposeful. There's no sports or clubs or groups where we feel like we belong. It's an in-between place, the wilderness. And when we find ourselves in the wilderness, there is only you and there is only the wilderness. And yet, and yet, the wilderness can become a place of refuge. Because when we enter the wilderness, when we are stripped of all of those other things, God is always there. And so this morning, our scripture passage is about someone who has something to teach us about what it means to spend time in the wilderness. So hear these words from the book of Genesis, chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, you see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It, may it be that I should obtain child, children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And then Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave girl to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, your slave girl is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am running away from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, now you have conceived and will bear a son and you will call him Ishmael. For the Lord has, in, has given need seed, heed to your affliction, and he shall be a wild man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall live at odds with all his kin. And so she named the Lord who spoke to her. You are Elroy, she said, for have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called Beerleroy and lies between Kadesh and Bered, and Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. It's not a story we read very often in church. Hagar flees to the wilderness as a place of refuge from her abusive circumstances. Because we're told that she is a slave of Sarai, that she is an Egyptian, that she has been taken and given with no consent of her own to be a wife to Abram. And then 
she becomes pregnant with a child who she will not even be able to claim as her own and she therefore no longer respects her mistress. Imagine that. And in response, her mistress treats her harshly. And that word there is the same word that is used to describe how the Israelites were treated by the Egyptians when they were enslaved. She is treated with abuse and oppression. And so she flees to the wilderness. And it's not her destination. The wilderness is never the place we seek. It's the place we find ourselves. That in-between place. Her destination is Egypt, the land of her people, home. And so her intention is to travel through the wilderness to get to the place that she envisions as better than where she came from. And so up until this point, Hagar's identity has been solely attached to Sarai. She is only known as the slave girl of Sarai. If you read that text again, neither Abram nor Sarai ever call her by name. She's always the girl, the servant, her, never Hagar. The only reason we know her name is because the narrator gives it to us. Until she finds herself beside a stream in the wilderness. And an angel of the Lord appears to her and says, Hagar. And in that moment, her thirst for recognition, for having an identity, for being a full and complete and whole person is met by the God who sees her and calls her by name. Hagar, where do you come from and where are you going? I'm running from my mistress, Sarai. And then I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to acknowledge the troubling response that Hagar gets immediately following this. The angel of the Lord tells her to go back to her mistress and submit to her. And as a person who walks alongside people who've experienced abuse, that is a problematic statement. And this is where it's really important that we know how to read the Bible. Because sometimes this scripture has been used against people who have experienced abuse in more harmful ways to simply go back home. And that's not the intention here. And that's not what we as people who read this text should take as our word of advice. She's told to go back home, biblical scholars tell me, because Otherwise, if her child was not born in Abraham's house, then this promise that God is about to make to her cannot be fulfilled. And so if you know of someone or you encounter someone, and even if you're at school and you hear somebody talking about things that they're experiencing at home that are not safe, do not send them home without a plan, without calling the abuse hotline, without telling an adult. Do not take this scripture as at its immediate word to send them home. Because God has a plan. Go back to your home and your son will be born and he will be the leader of a nation. And so while Hagar, your freedom is currently deferred, you will give birth to your resistance. 
because this person that you will give birth to, your son, he will be a leader and he will come against everyone who he meets. He will be wild. He will be strong. He will be powerful. And for the ears of an Egyptian slave girl, that sounds like hope. To the ears of someone who's only ever experienced abuse, to the ears of someone whose entire being has only ever been linked to somebody else and not had their own autonomy, the the idea of freedom is enough. And so in response to what we might read as a questionable response from God, Hagar responds by naming God. She does something that no one has yet done and that no one will do. She looks at God in the face and says, you are Elroy. You are the God who sees. This Egyptian slave girl who has fled into the wilderness to escape oppression and abuse is the one who looks at God and gives him a name. You are the God who sees. Because that's what happens in the wilderness. In these in-between places when everything is stripped away and there is only us and God, we can truly see and be seen. And that made all the difference in the life of Hagar. Justice for Hagar would come, but the first step in her healing was being seen. By the God who created the universe, the God who chose the people called Israelites, she is giving that God a name. An Egyptian slave girl who doesn't probably even worship him is the first to name God. When I first started my work at the children's home, I remember sitting in the chapel and the doors of the chapel are glass and the whole front wall of the, of the chapel is glass. And so I sit and I look out over campus often during my days at work. And I remember looking out over our beautiful campus. It's got lots of green spaces and big, large oak trees that have been there longer than our over 100-year history. And then there's even ponds and gardens. And as I looked, I thought, this place is a wilderness. It's a refuge. It's an in-between place where everything else has fallen away and space is made for healing, for self-discovery, and for encountering God. And while that sounds really nice, it's also a place where kids are not with their families, where holidays can be painful. Our kids come and they stay with us and they're usually with us for about a year. And so it's a place that everyone knows is temporary. Everyone knows it as the in-between place and that they hope to leave from. And for, if you ask many of them, the sooner the better. And so they can relate to our feeling right now. When we hear the prayers that Pastor Vance just prayed of the long litany of lists of things that feel like they're bearing down on us, the things that make us look around and feel like, where are we going, God? Children in foster care know that feeling of that in-between place. 
and they will tell you that in the in-between place, at the children's home, it's the first place that they've ever felt love. Some of our youth recently shared that their house parents and staff members can care for them every day, make them feel loved, because they take the time to truly get to know them, that they don't look at them as their therapeutic diagnosis, they don't look at them on the basis of their history, but that they come to get to know them the same way that Hagar so desperately wanted to be known as something other than Sarai's Egyptian slave girl. And at the children's home, our kids get to experience the opportunity to have that same loving gaze of God fall upon them and to know that they are loved and to be known for who they really are. And in the middle of that wilderness, Hagar calls God the God who sees. And our kids look at us and they say, you see me. And it's my job to look at them and say, God sees you. When Hagar names God, she gives us that same promise, that God is a God who sees. And so I wonder how you need God to see you today in this wilderness place that we find ourselves. How do you need God to see you? What do you need God to see? And sometimes that's a terrifying idea. Because if we know that God or anyone fully sees us exactly for who we are, all of our, our problems, our history, our past, that thing we said yesterday, then how could they love us? But do you see in this story, there is no judgment. God is a God who sees and has compassion and loves. Oftentimes when I come to God in prayer, I imagine myself kind of holding armfuls of stuff, of things. And most of the time, they're just like objects, and half of the time, they're things that don't work. And I imagine that I take my armful of junk up to God, and some of it's pretty and nice, some of it's not. And I say, God, I've got this, this. And this thing, it used to work, but it doesn't work anymore. And this thing, I really don't like looking at. It's not very pretty. And this thing is nice, but here they are. Here it is. I need you to see it. And sometimes I don't even necessarily need you to do anything with it right now, but I just need you to see it because I need to be known. I need to know that you know that I am in this place. And then, yeah, God, I know that if anyone can do anything with this, all of these pieces all of this stuff that I can't make any sense of, I know, God, that you can. And I know it won't make sense to me at some points. I know that your workings are mysterious. I know that it's maybe some long future hope that's waiting for me way down many years from now. But, God, here it is. Will you see it? And Hagar shows us this morning that God's promise is that yes, I see you. God sees you. Every part. And God hears the cries 
of the injustices of the world, and God hears our groans as more people become sick, and God is near even to those who do not yet believe. And so this morning, friends, take comfort that his eye is on the sparrow and that he's watching us and that he's with us. Let us pray. Elroy, you see me and you see each person in this room, God, and we confess that there are moments where we don't see you clearly. And so, God, we pray that in this season of wilderness, when we've been stripped of all of the things that we might ordinarily hide behind or busy ourselves with, that we would take this opportunity to allow ourselves to be fully seen, to be fully known by you. And God, we pray that there, if there are people in our lives who are desperate to be seen, that you would give us eyes to see them and hearts and courage willing to ask and to get to know them without judgment so that in and through us, they can feel your love and compassion and know that they are not alone. God, we give you thanks for Hagar, for her strength and for her courage and for her witness. Help us to be like her today and to turn our eyes and our gaze upon you and name you for who it is you are for us. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.